0: Good morning everyone. We're excited that you guys are here this morning and uh, as you've already heard uh, we have a team down in Honduras right now and so our pastor JJ is down there with them. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm one of the staff members here and uh, we're excited that you're here this morning. So when I was a junior in high school I took a class uh, that was called leadership skills. And uh, one of our coaches taught it, one of our football coaches, his name was Coach Shapit, And I don't think he really had, there was like no curriculum for this class. I think he had kind of come up with it on his own. And there are a few things that I remember from that class. But one of the things that I remember most is that obviously one important leadership skill is that you be able to speak publicly. And that was not something that I like to do. Uh, It's still not my favorite thing to do, but... uh, it was part of you know, part of this class. And what I really enjoyed about his particular class is every week we would practice this. So every Friday we knew was our speech day or, or whatever that looked like. And, and we would do it in all kinds of different ways. Like sometimes we would prepare and we had a certain amount of time we had to talk. Uh, other times uh, we actually would do things on the fly. I remember one time uh, he had a box of just these items and we had to pick something out of the box and then get up and talk to the class about this item that we had picked out for two minutes. So, I mean, just all kinds of ways that we would practice doing this. Now, fast forward uh, a year later at the end of my senior year, and I was asked to speak at our graduation. And again, not really something that I wanted to do, but um, I'll let you in on a little secret. I, I'm, a little cynical, I've got a little bit of a mean streak, and I knew who the other person was that they would ask if I said no, and I didn't really want to hear what she had to say, so I said yes, okay, I'm sorry, it's confession time, so I said yes, and uh, so I I wrote this speech, and and I got up to deliver it that night, and it was, I, I remember, I don't remember exactly what time we started, but it was, it must have been like early afternoon, because When we went into graduation, it was still light outside. By the time we were done, it was dark outside. And we had this, it was a, you know, our local civic center, we, uh, you know, all the people are there. And of course, being June or May or whatever time of year it was, and being in the afternoon, of course, there was a storm going on outside. And so right in the middle of my speech, the civic center takes a direct hit of lightning, I mean, pow, just everything goes black. The whole city, I mean, you've got 3,000 people here. It goes black and right in the middle of my speech. And, you know, immediately, you know, the emergency lights come on and all of that kind of stuff. But it was, it was kind of like there, there was just this like moment of what, what just happened what what's going on. And, and so I kind of, I, I'm just standing there and I really wasn't sure what to do. And the good thing was, like, right here were, was our administration. And actually, our superintendent was sitting probably not 10 feet from me. And he called me over. He, he knew my family. He called me over, and he said, all right, Chris, listen, just calm down when they tell you. Because apparently the TVs, like, they had somebody recording it, and all the TVs were down. And they didn't want me to start yet. And, of course, one of the smartest things he told me was, don't touch the microphone, Okay, that's probably a good idea. We took a direct electrical hit, don't touch the microphone. But he said, just wait till they give you the go signal and then just pick up right where you left off. And so, I don't remember how long it was, it seemed like forever, but finally, the camera guy goes, okay, and I just picked up where I left off and finished the speech. And it was funny, Coach Shapit by that time had moved on to some other position and he wasn't sitting with our faculty he was actually sitting out in the crowd and later on after the graduation was over he found me and he said to me he said Chris of all the things that we could have practiced we'd never practiced for that and I thought yeah you're right I I don't know how we would have done that but if you think about it that's kind of how life works for us I mean We can't practice for situations that come up every day in our life, okay? We can't practice having our first kid, all right? You know, by the second or third, maybe we're getting the hang of things a little bit, but we can't practice for the first kid. We can try to simulate it. We can read books and all that kind of stuff, but we can't practice for having our first kid. We can't practice for losing a loved one. We don't. We don't know. Like, how, how do you practice something like that? When when somebody passes away and you lose a loved one in your life, you can't practice for something like that. You can't practice for when your marriage starts to implode and things start to fall apart. You can't practice for that. You don't. You, in the moment, you don't know what to do because you haven't practiced that. There's all kinds of things in our life that we can't practice for. You can't practice for a tragic illness. All of a sudden, you go to the doctor and you get that diagnosis and you think, what am I going to do next? Who knows? Because you haven't got to practice for that. So Coach Shapit was right. I mean, he was right. We, we couldn't have practiced for that. Maybe we could have tried to make, make it work, but we can't practice for these kinds of things. But the good news is there's a way that we can push through these things and there are things that we can practice and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, first of all, we uh, I, I kind of got to catch you up a little bit. We're actually beginning a brand new series today. Um, it's called, uh, it, it kind of goes back to something that we started back at the end of, right after Easter, we started a series Of series uh, on the book of Philippians. And uh, what we've been doing is slowly we've been walking through each of the chapters of the book of Philippians. And book is kind of a weird word. Philippians was actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it to the church at Philippi. The church that he was writing to kind of had a special place in his heart because it was the first uh, church that he had established In Europe all the other churches that he had started were in Asia this is the first one that he starts in Europe and it had kind of an interesting start I mean this this church from the beginning had everything that you needed in fact one of the first converts was a woman named Lydia uh, who was a very wealthy merchant person and then the next convert was this slave girl that um, Paul had kind of cast this demon out of her and in fact Uh, She converts and then all of a sudden Paul's arrested because he caused some people to lose some money because he cast this demon out of this girl. And then he ministers to the guy in prison, the guard in prison, and that guy converts. And so you have this kind of interesting start to this church. And when Paul writes this letter, this is a church that's doing well. I mean, some of the letters that Paul writes to other churches, you know, he's saying, here's the things that you have to fix. To the Philippians, he's saying, you guys are doing great, but don't get too comfortable. Don't get too comfortable. You're doing great, but you have to keep pushing forward. You have to keep growing. And so that's what we've been kind of, as we walk through each of these chapters, that's kind of what we've been focusing in on, okay? In fact, in the first one, the first series, we called it "Imprisoned," And what, what we've been doing with each of the series is We've been kind of juxtaposing two different words, okay? Now, juxtaposing, if you don't know what that is, that basically means we're kind of comparing two words. Two words that on the the surface seem like they're opposite. But because of the topics that we're talking about and what Paul's talking about, he's showing exactly where these things kind of line up in our life. So the first one we called it, imprisoned slash free. And, uh, in fact, kind of our big idea for that particular series was today's freedom is tomorrow's shackles. Today's freedom is tomorrow's shackles. This idea that all, you know, the, the freedom that we have, that, yes, God's given us great freedom in our life. But sometimes when we get off track with that freedom, those things become our shackles. And so we kind of talk through that and talk through what it means to be imprisoned by sin, and then what it means to be free in God's grace. And then in the second chapter, um, actually, we started talking about this idea of emptied versus filled. Emptied versus filled. And, And the example there being Jesus. Jesus came and emptied who he was, emptied part of who he was, so that he could fill us with his grace, so that we could be filled again, that we could... Get rid of that sin that's in our life. And then in the third chapter, we talked about gain versus loss. Gain versus loss. Paul says in the, that chapter, he says, I count everything as gain because of all that I've lost. Okay? He, he knew that in this life we would lose things, but the gain, the gain of heaven, the gain of Jesus in our life was so much more. And in fact, when we finished up that chapter, the big idea for the last section of that, J.J. said this, growth is about acts more than it is facts. Growth is about acts more than it is facts. And that's really kind of a good jumping off place for where we're starting today as we head into the fourth chapter of Philippians. In fact, we're actually only going to look at the very first verse in this chapter 4. And what it says is this. In fact, we're we're going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll kind of take it apart a little bit. And then we'll talk about this idea, because what we're going to juxtapose here is, in this final chapter, is we're going to talk about learning versus practicing. Learning versus practice, or learned versus practiced. Now, we just said, you know, there's a lot of things in our life that we can't practice for. But there are things that we can practice that will prepare us for that. And that's that's the idea behind actually this not only today, but about the whole series as well. So let's go ahead and let's look at the verse. So Philippians 4.1. Now, as I kind of told you a little bit about this letter that Paul wrote. And, you know, I don't I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but these letters, when Paul wrote the letter, it was just one long letter. Okay, all the chapters and the verses and all of that stuff. That all came later. Okay, Later on when scripture was organized and and they sat down and looked at all of this stuff, then we get chapter numbers and verse numbers and all of that stuff. So that all came later. So part of the reason we're only looking at this one verse is because when we look at different translations, when we look at this whole passage, we're not sure if there's a little bit of dispute as to whether this verse goes with what we just finished in chapter three, or whether it goes with the beginning of chapter four. So there's a little dispute about that. but I think it's the perfect verse to tie the two together. okay? So we're not going to get bogged down in that other than to just say it really kind of concludes chapter three and then introduces what we're going to um, what Paul's going to conclude with in chapter four. okay? Because Paul's starting his conclusion, and like any good preacher, when he starts his conclusion, he still has three more points to make, okay? So he's going to, you know, he, he starts his conclusion, but he's still got a ways to go, all right? And that's what all of this series is going to be about, are these final things that Paul's reminding the Philippians about as he's, he knows that he probably is not going to have any more opportunity to speak to them again. So in verse 1, it says this. In Philippians 4, 1, it says, Therefore... My brothers, and again, that's where that therefore comes in. Like, is the therefore go with chapter three or what was said just before this? Or was he saying, therefore, now all of this that's about to come? Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus. In the Lord, my beloved. So, what's Paul saying in this verse? What what is he saying? Well, first of all, he's reminding these people that he's writing to how much he loves them. Okay, you're my beloved. You, you, you're this church. You get what it is that I came to share with you. You get what Jesus is all about. You get what He's doing in your life. But don't rest too easy. Don't rest on that. Keep pushing forward. Because he reminds them, not only do I love you, but because I love you and because Jesus loves you, you need to stand firm. Stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand firm in Jesus. In fact, I think Paul would say it this way. To affirm what you know, you have to stand firm in what you show. To affirm what you know, Paul's reminding them, you know these things. You know these things that I told you. you know, the things that I told you, the things that I'm about to tell you, you know these things. But what you have to do is you have to stand firm in them. You have to show them in your life. You can't just learn them. You can't just have this knowledge in your head. You have to show it. You have to live it. You have to practice it. You have to practice your faith. You can't, it's not enough to just know your faith. You have to show your faith. It's not enough to know your faith. You have to show your faith. In fact, I would say that it's not really faith if we're not showing it. I mean, it's, what good is a faith that we just know? We have to show it in our lives. And Scripture reminds us of that. It reminds us all throughout all throughout all of the Bible, we're reminded constantly that this isn't something that we just know, that this is something that we show, this is something that we live, that we practice. We don't just learn our faith, we practice our faith. In fact, I mean, if you start in the very beginning, Adam and Eve, great example. Adam and Eve knew what the right thing to do was, they knew. They knew, don't eat from this tree, and yet they did it. You go on, Cain and Abel. Cain knew, he knew what was wrong. He knew because when God came to him and said, where's your brother? I don't know. I'm not not in charge of him. He knew, he just didn't do it. I love this. This is crazy. I read this verse earlier this week, and I know I've read it before, and it just kind of jumped out at me. And in Exodus 4.24, this is kind of, let me give you a little setting. This is right as God comes to Moses, and he says to Moses, hey, look, he catches him out in the desert. He's got the burning bush going on. And he says, hey, Moses, I need you to go back to Egypt I need you to talk to Pharaoh, and I need you to get him to let my people go. And Moses is kind of like, he's got all these excuses, you know, like, God, you should really send somebody else. I'm not the right guy for this. You know, I'm, a, you know, I, I don't speak well. I stutter. And God says, no, you, you're the guy. You're, you're who I'm sending. In fact, it even says that God kind of got a little angry with him and said, no, I'm going to if you're worried about stuttering, there's your brother Aaron. Your brother Aaron can say these things. I'll tell you what to say. You tell Aaron what to say. And you let him say it. And so God lets Moses go. And this is where this verse comes in. Moses is kind of on his way to, you know, go meet Aaron, to go, um, to go back to Egypt. And it says this in verse Exodus 4:24. it says this. At a lodging place on the way... The Lord met him, talking about Moses, met him and sought to put him to death. I read that verse this week and I'm like, what? Like, God, you told him to go to Egypt. You told him to go meet Aaron. And then all of a sudden you're angry again. I mean, you were just angry with him. You kind of solved this problem and you sent him on his way. Moses is on his way. And then you're going to put him to death. Like, what's that about? Well, if you keep reading in the next couple of verses, here's what happened. Thank goodness for Moses, his wife was around, okay? His wife steps in and his wife says, here's the problem. Here's why God wants to put you to death. You haven't circumcised your kids. You haven't circumcised your son. Now, first of all, listen, I'm not saying that practicing your faith today means being circumcised, okay? I am not at all saying that, all right? Guys, don't quit coming. That's not what I'm saying, okay? All right? But Moses knew the covenant. He knew what he was supposed to do. Yeah, he was brought up in Egypt. Yeah, he was brought up in a different household. But he knew what he was supposed to do. You know how? I know that because Zipporah, his wife, knew. And there's not any indication that she was Jewish. She knew what to do. So she circumcises the son. And then, by the way, he was an adult. Okay? Circumcises the son, and God's okay. All right? Moses wasn't practicing the faith that he was called to live. He wasn't practicing. He had learned it, he knew it. He wasn't practicing it. Now, that's a crazy example, okay? I mean, Scripture's full of examples. But even, you know, and and that's that's an Old Covenant example, okay? This is, you know, Moses lived under the Old Covenant. He was supposed to follow this covenant of circumcision, and they were supposed to do these sacrifices and all of that stuff. But in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we're still told the same thing. In fact, in, uh, in Mark 12, 30 through 31, Jesus is talking. Jesus is kind of saying the same thing to us. See, Jesus knew that we were terrible at practicing our faith. Moses gave you ten commandments. Jesus says, I'm going to give you two. And that's what he says in Mark 12, 30 through 31, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Verse 31. And the second commandment is this. You shall love, the neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jesus said, you're terrible at practicing your faith. That's why I had to come. That's why the old covenant doesn't work anymore. That's why I needed to come and give my life and be, um, be crucified and be resurrected so that you can be forgiven, that you can live under a new covenant. And here's how you practice your faith. You love the Lord your God with all you've got, and then you love your neighbor as yourself. Practice that for a while and see how it goes for you. <clears throat> Jesus' half brother, James. Actually, the whole book, the whole, James is another one of those letters. James is writing this letter to some, Jew, um, some other Jewish believers. And in verse 22, James 1, 22, he says, Be, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't just learn it. Practice it. Don't just know it. Show it. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. If you only learn it and you don't practice it, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Paul gives even more examples in Romans 2:13. Um, actually, I love what it says in the message. It says this, "Merely hearing God's law is a waste of your time. If you don't do what He commands, doing, not hearing, is what makes the difference. Doing, not hearing. Is what makes the difference. So we're told all throughout scripture, it's not enough to just know your faith. You have to show your faith. You don't just know it. You have to show it. That's the only way that it's faith is by showing it. Here's the thing. If we go back to what Coach Schappett said to me for just a minute. We go back to this idea that we couldn't I couldn't practice for what happened in my speech, that that we couldn't have practiced something like that. That's true. Okay, we we couldn't have practiced that. But we can practice things. There, There are things in our faith that we can practice. Even those situations that we talked about, like having a first child, having that, you know, getting that diagnosis of that terrible illness or losing a loved one. Or having your marriage fall apart. We can't practice for those things. But we can practice our faith. We can practice that stuff. We can show our faith. We can push through those things. Even though we can't practice those specific situations, we have the faith, we have the answer to push through those things. Now, I think over this next, throughout the rest of this series, we're going to continue to kind of push in to this idea. We're going to talk about specific things that we need to practice. But here's what I want you to do. I, 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 I want to give you something practical that you can do with this, okay? Because again, if we're going to be practical, you know where that word comes from? It comes from practice, all right? It comes from this idea that we have to do something about our faith. So here's what I want you to do this week, all right? If you want to write this down, you can write it down, but I think this is easy enough for you to remember. These are three practical steps that you can take to begin to push past just learning your faith and practicing your faith. First of all, spend a little time tonight or tomorrow praying about, God, where's an area of my life? where I know what I need to do. I know it by through my faith, through God's word, through what I've been taught, wh- whatever that is, I know. In fact, I would say this. A lot of you guys, you know what the right thing to do is. Okay? We know what the right thing to do is. All right? we, even, even if we haven't been taught it, a lot of times when we're making a decision A lot of times we know the right thing. We know the wise thing to do, even if it's just our conscience speaking into us. Maybe you don't have this faith thing and you have this conscience that God's created in you and it's telling you this is the right thing to do. We know what the right thing to do is, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about God in what places in my life Do I know the right thing to do, but I'm not really practicing it? Where do I where have I learned some things, but I'm not really practicing it? Now, if you're like me, you could make a list and fill (laughs) pages worth of things. Okay, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to narrow it down to one. Ask God, what's the one thing? What's the thing, the biggest thing in my life, the thing that's affecting me most, that's affecting my walk with you, that's affecting me practicing my faith? God, what's the biggest thing or what's affecting the people around me? What in my life, where am I not practicing my faith to the point that it's affecting people around me? Tell me that one thing. Then spend some time this week praying about God. What do I need to do to practice that thing? What is it that I need to change? Are there things that I need to stop doing? Are there things that I need to start doing? What does that look like? You know, just that one thing, okay? The reason I say one thing is because a lot of us, even now, you've already thought of 10 things probably, all right? You're you're already, you're running through the list in your head, okay? You've already thought of 10 things, but if we can't do 10 things, we can do one thing, And what I've also found is when we focus on one thing, a lot of times God comes along and takes care of some of the other stuff as well, okay? So what's that one thing? God, what do I need to do to change that one thing? Where do I need, how do I need to practice it, okay? I know it. I know what the right thing to do is. How do I need to practice my faith? And then give yourself some kind of reminder, okay? Maybe you want to write down my statement. It's not enough to know your faith. You have to show your faith. Okay? Or maybe just take the show your faith part of it. And every time you're tempted to not do that thing that you need to do to practice it, or you're tempted to go ahead and do something that you know is against that practice, remind yourself, show your faith. God, give me the power to show my faith. God, give me the power to not just know it, but to show it. Whatever it is that you need to, maybe you just write show it on a piece of, maybe write it on your hand. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know what it is that you're dealing with. Write it to remind yourself, this is a way for me to show my faith. Not just know it, but to show it. And here's the thing. God can begin, he'll begin that work. And by the way, even if you're not sure about all this, maybe, maybe you would say, hey, I'm just checking this out. I'm not totally sure about this whole God thing yet. That's okay. I think you can still do this. I think you can still practice this, and I think God will honor that. I think he'll do it. I think if we're serious about it, I think he'll do it. So start, start doing that this week, because in the weeks to come, when JJ comes back, we're going to start talking about specific areas where we can, and probably we're going to hit on some of those things that you already thought about, you know, things about like anxiety and fear. And um, hopefully by the end of this series, we're we're going to tap into some pretty serious things that where we're struggling with the difference between knowing what our faith is and showing our faith or the difference between learning our faith and practicing our faith. I think that's going to be a really, really big, big deal. So it's not enough to just know our faith. We have to show our faith. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that, uh, God, that, God, you're a God of action, that, that you want to see us change. You want not only... Did you send Jesus to to come and to redeem us and to forgive us and and allow us the freedom from sin that God you provide through him? But not only did, did he come to do that, but he came to take us the next step, and the next step, and the next step, and the next step. To not just know in our hearts that we're free from sin and that we have this faith that he gives us freedom, but that he wants to take our life and move us forward. That he wants us to not just know our faith, but to show our faith. Because like I had Coach Shappet there to walk me through those things and to show me this is some things that we can do to get you to that place where you can be able to speak. Jesus is our Coach Shappet. He's right there with us. And even though we can't practice having a child or practice um, what happens when our marriage struggles, and, and we can't practice all the million other things that we can think of that might possibly happen in our life, Jesus is there to walk us through our faith, to tell us what that next step is, to tell us what it looks like to practice our faith, to show our faith. And so, God, I pray that all this week you would do that in our lives. God, as we pray about these things that, God, you would show us very specifically in our life, this is a place where, yes, you've learned it. You know it. You know the right thing to do, but you haven't shown it yet. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to do that. Show us what that thing is, and then, God, help us to show it. Help us to know what we need to do to show our faith. God, we love you and we thank you and we're glad that you've given us victory already in this. We just have to go and claim it with your name. We pray it in Christ's name.